Well, I'm sure glad you've joined us today. It's Tuesday, November 28th, and welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here at First Family. Thankful you're listening in today, and we're going to take a look back at last week's text, which was Matthew 1, 1 to 17, and talk more about the real thought that is seen in these 17 verses. It's a word that's not in the text, ironically, but it is splashed across it in so many ways, and that is the word providence. We talked about it a good bit Sunday. Uh, It is a treasure, no doubt, to God's people. And I want to take a little more time on this episode of the Extra Point Podcast to unpack a little bit more about providence. Now, I mentioned to you that I would share more about the difference between providence and sovereignty. I didn't spend a lot of time on this Uh, I mainly wanted to get to the text and some of the examples. Let me just share with you briefly the difference between sovereignty and providence. I did admit to you Sunday that it's a hair-splitting difference, but it's worth looking into a little bit. Uh, Sovereignty acts more like a noun. That's a good way to say it. And of course, when we talk about these words, just be aware we're probably using both as a noun, but I want to kind of share with you how they act or what they kind of, uh, what they look like. So sovereignty acts a lot like a noun. It describes who God is. It's another word for God's sole universal authority. Uh, it is an invisible um, attribute in the sense that it's hard to see God's sovereignty if you don't believe in God's providence. And I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but it describes what God is, or you could say who God is, and his authority, his role. And so that's the idea of sovereignty. It really serves more as a character description, whereas providence would be more of an action um, description. Um, it, It really serves like a verb in this sense, that it speaks of how he conducts himself within the affairs of men, this is how God is visible, we'll call it, though I have to admit, often it's very subtle, and often God does play the long game, um, and this is referring to what God does. So sovereignty is really essentially what God is. Providence really refers to what God does. I don't think either can exist alone, which is why I say it's a hair-splitting difference, because without sovereignty, God could not be providential, but yet uh without providence, God is a sovereign ruler with no actions, so to speak. So often we use these terms interchangeably. Often we'll use them together. We'll say God is sovereignly providential. Um, all of those things are fine, but there is technically a difference. One speaks to his character or who he is. One speaks to his actions or what he does. Now let me provide for you a little more technical definition uh, Sunday, I just mentioned to you, it's really the idea, I'm, I'm speaking here, providence. It's the, it's the idea that God's continually involved with all of his created things. And so we, we understood that to mean that God is not distant, or we're not deist, um, God is near. And this kind of harkens back even to what we learned through our study in Job. But he's close, he's at hand, and he does intervene, he does work in, he moves through normal events. And so in one sense, it looks as though God is just moving in the normal processes of life. And yet, that in itself is a very miraculous, supernatural activity, 
that God can weave together a number of things, both good and bad, to arrive at, to uh, accomplish his intended end game or purpose. So providence is the word that describes his continuous involvement with all of these created things, all that he's made. You know, Colossians says that by him all things consist, speaking of Christ. And so we're just really understanding more that, that providence, because of God's sovereignty, is his actions uh, in and within his creation. Now, three areas that I think um, we, we can drill down into this definition of providence, and I did not mention these Sunday, so I want to just kind of take a minute and just mention these. I won't go into great detail. Uh, notice three key words here, though, that because we know God is continually involved with his creation, uh, we would say three things. He keeps them and he maintains the properties with which they were created. Uh, he created them, so he keeps them, maintains them. He cooperates with all these created things that he made. He directs them to fulfill his purpose. So I would say three key words. If you're just wanting to know like a, a summary or a succinct way to, to kind of drill down into providence a little bit, it's, it's really God being involved with his creation in three ways, keeping cooperating, and directing. Now, there's a couple of, well, there's actually three big words for those things. We often say that in providence, there is preservation, there's concurrence, and there's government. And those are just big doctrinal words. It means he keeps, uh, that he cooperates, or concurrence means at the same time that they're acting, he is acting and coordinating. And then, of course, government would reply and refer to as directing. So just some more information for you, some things to get your brain thinking more about what we mentioned last week in regards to providence. Again, it is splashed across the first 17 verses of Matthew 1, isn't it? Uh, where we see God's purpose over thousands of years was to bring forth the Messiah. And while we would never have chose the path he chose, for reasons beyond our understanding and because he is sovereign, he chose a line that went through a number of crazy, um, unbelievable, uh, unlikely, and even evil situations. But God used everything and continues today to use everything to accomplish his end game, his ultimate purpose. Why can he do that? Because he is sovereign. And how does he do that? Through his providence. As you meditate and think about providence today and this week, let me just leave you with one example of providence, what I think may be the, um, the ultimate supreme example. Um, and you probably know where I'm headed because I mention this often in my preaching, but I love how Peter closes his sermon in Acts chapter 2. Uh, this is at Pentecost, and he's speaking to fellow Israelites. That's what 2.22 tells us. And notice what he says about the death of Jesus and subsequent resurrection. This is Peter, the one who is often afraid or in, you know, a little presumptuous at times. Notice what he says here. He says in verse 23 that though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. So that would speak of sovereignty. That would speak of action in the past to make sure an accomplished purpose occurs he says this, though God did that, uh, he says here in verse 23 that you lawless people nailed him to a cross and killed him. 
So you see how Peter here beautifully and doctrinally and in a balanced way um, brings together multiple elements of God's creation and puts them under God's sovereignty and within God's providence in order that Christ's crucifixion and resurrection would occur and our salvation would be purchased. This is quite an amazing text. It's a beautiful example of sovereignty and providence, and I might add, I think it's probably more, even just highlights even deeper, the providence of God to work through His creation, even when His creation uh, is sinning or working against what uh, God uh, is intending, God actually, because He's sovereign, can use that to accomplish His purposes anyway. And so this is a beautiful text. Uh, as you meditate and think upon Christ today, and as you uh, mull this over, the, the cross is the supreme, ultimate example of God's sovereignty and providence on display. One more verse from Acts chapter 2. I love this verse. This is how he closes his sermon. It's verse 36 of chapter 2. Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Isn't that good? So here's God's actions in the middle of their actions. And of course, God's actions are overarching, uh, overriding, they're sovereign, they're providential. And so even through their actions of crucifying Jesus, God accomplished his predetermined, uh, foreordained plan of sending his son to die in our place and be raised again. There's other verses that would allude to God's sovereignty, some that would even speak of it quite plainly throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. I think about Proverbs especially, so as you're reading your Bible this week, I would encourage you maybe flip through some passages in Proverbs where it says that he sets up kings, that um, that men often plan their steps, but the Lord's purpose prevails. And so in a number of ways, through a number of illustrations and metaphors, Solomon through Proverbs lets us know that God is ultimately and sovereignly in charge and in control of the events of his creation. That's providence. And I'm so thankful that it's a treasure during this Advent season for God's people.